Do you know what we're going to do today? Pay some goddamn respect. We usually make videos about topical subjects in mixed martial arts, historical videos about how our sport has changed, but today we're going to do something a little bit different and take a look at a topic that's a little bit more somber. MMA has been around in its current form for about 30 years, and although we've seen many of the sport's greatest legends retire in that time, we've also sadly had to say goodbye to several pioneers and stars of the sport. Here are their stories. I'm Balian from MMA On Point, and these are MMA stars that are no longer with us. Before we start, a quick disclaimer. This list today is of course in no particular order. As tragic as some of these stories may be, we do of course feel it's important that they are shared and remembered within the community. We'd also like to take this opportunity to give respect to those that aren't listed here as well. We're going to start with Amar Suloev. Whether you win a world title or not, having a move named after you is an achievement that very few fighters can lay claim to. Unless it's the running man. Remember UFC 228? Aljamain Sterling hit that weird knee bar. Everyone thought he'd get submission of the night. Then like three fights later on the card, Zabit did exactly the same thing to Brandon Davis. Well, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's the Suloev stretch, made famous by Amar Suloev. Suloev fought in the UFC way back in 2002 after stacking a 12-fight win streak competing in Brazil, Russia, and the Netherlands, and basically submitted anyone who tangled with him on the map. Although he didn't win either of his two UFC fights, he basically competed in every major promotion at the time, including M1, the World Valley Tudo Championships, Oh, it's over! And the face is blown up! Too Hot to Handle, Pride, Cade Rage, even Bodog, and the Inoki Bumbaye. He retired at 24-7 after a nine-year career, and then he joined a private security company which supposedly slowly spiraled into an underworld of illegal activities. He was eventually arrested, along with other members, for an alleged assassination. During the three-year-long trial, he became life-threateningly ill, and the prosecutors denied him medical attention. He even pleaded his own case where he explained he was so ill he could barely hear or understand the contents of the trial anyway. Despite having ten lawyers and four prosecutors, Suloev was initially denied medical treatment from the court. When he did finally receive it, it was far too late. He was released on bail, but would pass away June 27th, 2016. Yeah, I told you this would be a pretty sad list. Josh Saman. The tragic passing of Renaissance man Josh Saman was felt by more than just his fans in the octagon. This was a man who'd contributed to the sport and its growth in a big way. We first saw Josh on The Ultimate Fighter Season 17 after he'd gone 9-2 in a six-year-long pro career. He ultimately lost to Kelvin Gastelum in the semi-finals, but quickly became a staple of the UFC's middleweight division. Whilst competing in the UFC, Josh branched out and began writing fan articles for popular MMA news site Bloody Elbow, eventually joining the team as a feature author. He even went on to be a columnist for UFC.com and authored The Housekeeper, love, death, and prize fighting, which chronicled his struggles with addiction and ultimately the death of his beloved girlfriend who passed away after a car accident while the two had been texting each other, a blow that Josh never really seemed to recover from. Josh also had time in 2009 to co-found and run what is now the biggest amateur MMA show in Florida, Combat Night, which had started as a grassroots organization to bolster the sport and turned it into a stable and thriving MMA organization. Although Josh had detailed his battles with addiction, his death still came as a shock to the MMA community. After a continuing downward spiral and stories from his friends about seeing him with the same drugs his girlfriend had once overdosed on, he was found unresponsive in his bedroom. He spent six days in a coma before he was declared dead with a mixture of drugs in his system on October 5th, 2016. Josh's story certainly is a sad one and he will be remembered for all of his contributions to the sport. Let's move on to Ryan Jimmo. 
If I asked you who had the best robot in UFC history, the real ones would know. It's also a man who had a lifelong relationship with martial arts and followed in his father's footsteps a fifth down black belt in karate who once placed fifth in the world in Japan. Ryan Jimmo had a stellar early MMA career, winning 17 fights in a row and becoming a terror of the Canadian regional MMA scene. The UFC came a calling and he won his debut in just seven seconds with a ferocious one-punch KO of Anthony Paroche, which was at the time tied for the fastest KO in UFC history. Sadly, he would only compete inside the UFC for two years. After speaking out against the UFC Reebok deal, he actively campaigned for what was best for his fellow fighters, called for the UFC to address their concerns and got cut from the promotion for it. Then, just one year later, in perhaps one of the more tragic stories, Ryan's car was being tailgated by another. He pulled into a parking lot and got into an argument with the other driver, and as Ryan was walking away, he was purposefully run over. The driver left the scene and Jimmo sadly died later in hospital from the injuries he sustained. In an even sadder note, just hours before he had proposed to his girlfriend and she had been there at the scene to witness the whole incident. The driver was sentenced to prison for eight years for a litany of crimes, but sadly, the MMA world lost out on a fighter who was not only loved and admired, but had advocated for fighter rights to his own detriment and had been a lifelong martial artist. Let's move along to High and Gracie. So, might want to prepare yourself for this one. Unfortunately, the story of High and Gracie is pretty tragic. As a member of the legendary Gracie clan and a grandson to the great Carlos Gracie, High and competed exclusively in Pride during his MMA career. And he cornered his brother Henzo through many of his fights, but inside the Gracie family and ethos is a life free of drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, and this was not a philosophy that High and followed. Supposedly, from a young age, he joined a street gang named the Pit Boys, who would go around and basically cause trouble and perform varying levels of crime. This got him a bad rep and a set of bad nicknames to go with it. The Beast, Bad Boy Gracie, Crazy Brutal, take your pick. After starting a feud with Walid Ishmael, he fought his friend Tico and nearly bit the guy's ear off. He debuted in Pride in 2000 as the Gracie Bad Boy, which instantly made him a superstar, especially after he absolutely killed Tokimitsu Ishizawa. Next, he came up short against the Gracie Hunter Sakuraba, but was humble in defeat. He continued competing in Pride for the next four years, eventually going 5-2, and two, but outside of the cage, Hyan never really stopped his criminal behavior. In 2007, he stole and crashed a car, then tried to hijack a motorbike while on the run from the police. It was reported he was held down by multiple cyclists until law enforcement arrived, then taken into custody and was prescribed various drugs in an effort to calm him down, but by the morning of December 15th, was found dead in his jail cell. What really happened is still a bit of a mystery, but truly a tragic ending to the story. Canada's greatest, Elias Theodoru. I'm sure most of you know about the passing of Elias Theodoru earlier on this year. We first saw him on the Ultimate Fighter Australia v Canada, which is one of the more underrated and fun seasons, and he won, became the Ultimate Fighter, and stayed undefeated for his first three UFC fights. But his contribution to the sport goes far beyond his performances in the cage. Elias was an actor, a model, stuntman, dancer, romance cover model, and a cannabis advocate. He became well known as the first athlete possibly in the world to receive a therapeutic exemption to use marijuana in MMA competition and he only got it after a continuous diligent effort and campaign to make it that way, not just for himself, but for all other fighters who needed the benefits of THC. Elias mainly used it to treat the pain he suffered in his hands, wrists, and elbows from bilateral neuropathy. And now we're seeing fighters get marijuana exemptions for all manner of reasons. The head of USADA, Jeff Nowitzki, called him a great person and a huge voice for the more fair and equitable treatment of marijuana use in MMA and sport. 
We also can't forget the time he served as a ring boy for Invicta FC. Robin Black, his fellow Canadian and friend, told media he didn't share the cancer diagnosis publicly because he couldn't bear to make people sad. And that's true, which made it even more shocking when it suddenly came out on Twitter and social media that on September 11th, 2022, less than one year since his last fight, he passed away from stage four colon cancer. Tributes came pouring in from UFC fighters past and present, and they all only had great things to say about the Spartan. And next, the legend, Kimbo Slice. As short-lived as the MMA career of Slice was, he left a lasting impression on the fan base. Despite being far from a well-rounded mixed martial artist or really being anyone you'd consider world-class, Kimbo was received by the fan base with open arms. I mean, who doesn't love a street fighting badass, especially when you can watch that shit for free on YouTube. When he made the actual switch to MMA, he beat former WBO heavyweight champion Ray Mercer in his debut. He even won by submission and then made three appearances at Elite XC. Was also involved in the scandal that shut the whole promotion down. But next, he entered the Tough House and UFC fans saw a completely different side of Kimbo Slice. He was a humble family man and was respectful to all the other athletes and coaches, far from the stoic berserker most people assumed he was. He then competed twice in the UFC, winning against Houston Alexander and then losing to tough housemate Matt Mitrione. Dana let him go, but the MMA fan base had embraced Kimbo. He returned to MMA five years later, however, for fights against Ken Shamrock and old rival Dada 5000. Let's face it, neither were impressive performances. In fact, the Dada 5000 fight has been called one of the worst of all time, but none of that really mattered as it was watched by over 2.5 million households, which is still a Bellator record. Sadly, just four months later, he was rushed to hospital in Florida, where he was diagnosed with heart failure, and before he could receive a transplant, sadly passed away. Forever a cult icon in the sport and surely the king of BKFC if only it had been around sooner, Kevin Ferguson aka Kimbo Slice certainly brought thousands of new fans to the sport. Anthony Rumble Johnson the former UFC light heavyweight title challenger and combat sports icon Anthony Rumble Johnson spent the best part of three years terrifying the 205 weight class, where he KO'd everyone but one opponent. In the last 10 years of his career, he's only lost to one man, Daniel Cormier, who beat him when he twice challenged for the UFC title. And after his second attempt, he took some time away from the sport, but eventually found his way to Bellator, where we expected to see him once again rise to the top, but he was only able to compete once before health issues kept him out of the sport entirely. Back in in September 2021, Rumble was coming off a spectacular KO of Jose Augusto and was scheduled to face the Bellator champion Vadim Nemkov with the title on the line. But one month before the scheduled fight, he had to pull out and he posted this on his Instagram, asking for prayers from his supporters and sharing that he'd never been so afraid in his life. He didn't give many details about specifically what medical issue he was dealing with and his close friend Kamaru Usman later explained that he didn't really want to be treated any differently or for people to see him losing weight. Eight months later though, Rumble posted that he was back to training Training, although it was sad to see just how much he had clearly been struggling. It wasn't until his eventual passing on the 13th of November 2022 that the full details of his medical issues were revealed. He had contracted a form of cancer known as non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and HLH, a rare condition causing out-of-control production of white blood cells which led to internal organ damage and tragically failure. This one stung the MMA community bad, and former opponents and teammates all began posting about just how great of a man he was. Rest easy, Rumble. And now a complete icon, Kid Yamamoto. For those who don't know, let me give you some history. Kid Yamamoto is truly one of the pioneers of Japanese MMA, especially at the lighter weight classes. And at one time, he was considered one of the pound-for-pound -pound best fighters on the planet. He was supposed to follow in his father's footsteps who represented Japan as a wrestler in the Olympics, but ultimately chose the path of an MMA fighter. He had knockout power, some of the best tattoos in MMA, and was an incredible showman. That all combined to propel him to superstardom on the Japanese MMA scene. At one point, he held a 14-fight win streak across five years that saw him lay waste 
the K1 World Tournament up two weight classes, capture the Heroes Lightweight title after an epic Grand Prix where he beat Hoyler Gracie and Carl Uno in the same night, and scored the fastest knockout in any major MMA promotion, four seconds, baby. He was also one of the first MMA stars to compete in a crossover bout when he took on legendary kickboxer Masato at K1's Dynamite New Year show in 2004, and that had more than 34 million viewers tuning in to watch. His gym, Crazy B, was home to the likes of Kyoji Horiguchi and other stars who were mentored by Yamamoto, and the gym is still going strong today. In 2016, though, sadly, Kid would receive a diagnosis for stomach cancer, something he didn't share with the world for two years, keeping it to himself. On August 26, 2018, he posted his diagnosis on Instagram and sadly passed away just three weeks later. His death was felt throughout the global MMA community, and tributes came in from UFC fighters new and old. Moving on to the former champion, Evan Tanner. There's a whole list of achievements you can put next to the name Evan Tanner. UFC champion, the first American to win the Pancreas Neo Blood Tournament, one of the first fighters to start using social media to connect to his fans. But he lived a complex life filled with extreme highs and a truly terrible struggle with alcoholism. Despite being in the UFC and fighting the best in the world, he would go on drinking binges, traveling from town to town, sleeping on sofas. It's been said that he almost drunk himself to death on more than one occasion. But he's also fought his demons as hard as he fought his opponents and also impossibly made his way back to the octagon. In 2008, after his final UFC fight, he headed to the Southern California desert to do some soul-searching. MMA media sites had picked up the story, saying the desert would be his toughest opponent yet. Evan responded, telling them it was common for people to do. He was going to do some camping, ride a motorbike, and shoot some guns. What actually happened next is still somewhat of a mystery. Supposedly, his bike ran out of gas, and the spring he intended to use to fill his water was dry. He texted his friends and said he'd try to travel through the night and to call search and rescue if they didn't hear from him in the morning. I called his number and he said, hello. And I said, Evan, wait. And I couldn't, he couldn't hear me. And I kept hollering, Evan, Evan. And I could, hello. I thought, well, he'll get a signal. Sadly, they didn't hear from him. The authorities were called and his body was discovered by the spring along with empty water bottles. Some think, though, Evan's intention had perhaps been to never leave that desert. But the world still mourned the loss of a former UFC champion. The documentary, Once I Was a Champion, details his life and is well worth a watch if you have the time. And now a complete legend, Kevin Randleman. The monster probably was one of the best representatives of collegiate wrestling in MMA in its early years. He'd absolutely smashed the NCAA divisions at university and won the Big Ten Wrestling Championship a staggering three times, paving the way for a career in MMA after wrestling. Just three years in, he captured the UFC heavyweight title, defended it, and then headed to Japan where he became an absolute superstar, beating some of the best in the world, including the upset of the year and an earth-shattering KO of Mirko Krokop in the 2004 Grand Prix, which fully encapsulated his moniker, the monster. His contributions to the growth of MMA alongside other early pioneers can't really be measured, but after his passing, it was felt across the MMA landscape. While on a trip for a potential job interview, he'd been experiencing some cardiac problems. He was admitted to San Diego Hospital, where tragically, due to complications with pneumonia, he passed away on the 11th of February 2016. You only have to look at the endless tributes from the legends like Randy Couture, Noguera, Chuck Liddell, basically every MMA pioneer ever to realize how many people he'd worked alongside, trained with, or even shared a ring. After his death, he was inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame, a fitting tribute for an absolute legend.
And finally, one of the founders of our sport, Antonio Inoki. In some ways, Inoki is directly responsible for the popularity of MMA in Japan, which of course grew the sport globally, raised the bar and fandom for mixed martial arts, and helped us to get where we are today. And literally, this man has done everything from fighting Muhammad Ali to serving on the House of Counselors for Japan. The Ali fight really was the first high-profile combat sports crossover fight that took place in 1976. We have a great video on it if you want to check it out. It was, of course, a farce and ended up being Inoki on his back kicking Ali's legs, but he became a total superstar. In 1995, he also set the record for the highest attendances in professional wrestling history when he faced Ric Flair in North Korea with 190,000 spectators in attendance. Just let that sink in. After training with Carl Gotch and learning the art of catch wrestling, he founded the New Japan Pro Wrestling Organization, catering to Japanese fans who wanted something a bit more realistic than the over-the-top high-flying style, and he started sharing his knowledge with many Japanese fighters, including those like Funaki and Suzuki, who would go on to found promotions like Pancrase. He then began challenging various wrestlers around the world, with many of the fights turning into shoots because they refused to sell Inoki's attacks, and other martial artists in basically early MMA fights. Were some of them scripted? Sure, but some of them were and it grew the popularity for the sport as a whole. Carlson Gracie called Inoki one of the best fighters he'd ever seen. After retiring, he also entered the promotion business, including the annual Inoki Bumbaye shows, which had some of the biggest names in the world. He lived a long life to the age of 79, and he passed earlier this year, October 1st, 2022, and is without a doubt, one of the foundational pillars that supported our great sport. Okay guys, really appreciate your time today. This wasn't easy to write, and you know what? I bet it wasn't easy to edit either. So let's give a big shout out to Luke Taylor, AKA Cool To Me. Thanks for putting this all together, dude. You can catch him here on social media. If you guys have any tributes you wanna give or stories you wanna share about any of these fighters, go ahead and post them in the comments down below, or just give the video a like and a thumbs up if you appreciated it. I've been Balian, you can follow me here or catch me live on Twitch. See you in the next one, folks.